2: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey,
1: everyone. Today's guest is Fletcher Draggy, guitarist for Hermosa Beach, California punk rockers Pennywise. Together, we take a deep dive into the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the fan favorite song, Fuck Authority, taken from their 2001 album, Land of the Free. This song, to me, is the embodiment of what Pennywise is all about. A fast punk rock sing-along with socially conscious lyrics. Fletcher mentioned that the band doesn't demo in the traditional sense. That they prefer to get into their sweaty storage space and hammer things out together, old school style. And talk about two worlds colliding. Fletcher mentioned that the warehouse they practice in is right next door to a space used by the 80s metal band, Dokken. I mentioned to Fletcher that I think Land of the Free is one of the best sounding Pennywise records and he was quite complimentary to producer Joe Barisi for the Sonics he made come to life. Even though at times, him and Fletcher butted heads, a story you'll have to hear him tell to believe. And for all the crazy stories that we've all heard about him over the years, I've always said that deep down, Fletcher is a gentle giant, as evidenced by how the gang vocal of this song came about and what he did for a young fan from Canada who was going through a particularly rough patch. Pretty heartwarming stuff. For all this and a Fletcher remix of a live docking album, stay tuned. Hey,
0: hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a
1: podcast. Well, hey, Fletcher, top of the morning to you.
3: Bottom of the morning to me, it's like you're on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. <laughs> this is still it's still early, brother.
1: Did I want to do it this early, or did you suggest doing it this early? I do, because
3: I'm usually up at like 7, 8 in the morning, but today, last night, I woke up in the middle of the night and started eating pizza at like 3 a.m., so <laughs> spent a couple hours doing that shit, and now I'm, I'm groggy. <laughs> but I'll, I'll get through it
1: you sound like me that's the worst you get up like i i know i shouldn't eat right now but i always do anyway
3: dude I, i'm i just got back from australia so i'm jet lagged and it's like i'm getting this 3 a.m wake up call like 3 to 5 every night and it's just like okay what are you gonna do eat you know watch yeah. tv eat
1: how was things over there for you guys because you know they, it's been a while they, they were one of the the hardest lockdown countries how, how'd the shows go
3: uh, it was good like you know we had a lot of sold out shows um big it, it was like business as usual man uh i mean the backstage was on lockdown so we couldn't see all our usual suspect friends which everybody probably liked that because it wasn't mayhem back there all night long but uh <laughs> we went with the circle jerk so that was really cool and the opener was this band called civic and they were like local australian kids and they and they kicked ass so yeah it was really it, it was entertaining and and the crowds were just fucking hungry man they you know, brohem, how it goes. Like oh God, a lot yeah. of these, a lot of these places now can stop it with proper security, but you can't stop in Australia. So every night was mayhem, and it was uh, it was fun. So we were we were stoked to get back there, and they were they were hungry. So. Here we are, jet lagged a couple of a week and a half later.
1: That's awesome, man. Well, you're the second person uh, in Pennywise. We had Jim on the show uh, probably over a year ago now, and so you're the second second guy from the band. The listeners have been clamoring for a Fletcher episode, so so here you are. And I got to tell you, man, I, I went back. I, I researched these episodes uh, as I always do, pretty thoroughly. And I'm just shocked. I I, I went back. I cannot believe how prolific you guys were. You know, your first record, self-titled Pennywise, came out in 91, and every two years, you had Unknown Road in 93, About Time in 95, Full Circle in 97, Straight Ahead in 99, and then Land of the Free in 2001, which features the song I want to talk about today, Fuck Authority. Plus, you guys were touring your ass off in between all that, like, uh, insane.
3: (laughs) It was was a lot of work, man. It was definitely... You know, a full-time job. I mean, it still it still feels like a full-time job. But you know, I think a lot of bands did that. You know, No Effects was notorious for putting on an album every year. Br was like an every two-year band, right? You guys did your fair share, but it, yeah, it's what you do, right? And I mean, coming up with the material, like we're talking about today, that's the hardest part. You know, you're on the road, you're writing. We weren't never we were never a band that sat around the bus together. With an acoustic jamming, you know, like we we're like the guys who write in their bedrooms and their garages, and then get together and, and start hashing it out. And of course, a couple songs get written on the road. But like you see, these bands that are out there with like Pro Tools rigs, or you know, at Soundcheck every day practicing new songs. We were just we were too busy partying to do that. So <laughs> it was it was hard to like take that little time that you had off and where you want to like chill and just start crunching but yeah somehow we we got all those albums out
1: well now i mean and the, the song today we're going to talk about fuck authority so you know was this something i'm assuming it wasn't a holdover from another record because i mean this sounds like it's just classic pennywise it could have been on any of the after mentioned records but was it written specifically for land of the free
3: yes so Like I said, when it comes to songwriting time, it'll be like, hey, we're going to take two months off or we're going to get a little window here in between touring or a a natural window would just be created. So we'd know, hey, we need to release another record and we'd all start working. And the process is basically, like Jim told you, uh, I'm sure I listened to that interview as as well. It was awesome. Um, Thank you. We all kind of write individually and then we get together in the practice space, which is a garage. That's been a, a single car garage for the last twenty plus years. I mean, we've been in garages and storage containers our whole life. We had a little time in the Dawkins studio, which he let us. He let us in there. That's a funny yeah. story. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, Jim. Jim mentioned that. I still can't believe that,
3: <laughs> dude. I, the story on that, like, are we allowed to just tell random <laughs> stories? Of course, please do. <laughs> I've told it a bunch of times, so people probably heard it, but. I was always the thrifty guy and I was always the, like the, the builder of these garages and, you know, drywall and, and carpet. And we'd go to carpenteria dumpster get the carpet, hit it with carpet fresh in the backyard, vacuum <laughs> it, but still like full of dog and doggy dandruff, you know, hanging that shit on the walls, especially the ceiling. Like you're just covered in filth. You're usually like hot and shirtless and just fucking catching all this debris when you're pounding nails. So it's nasty, but, uh, we had a storage container and we were always like thrifty. So we had a storage container. It was like eight foot by, I don't know, 30. And I built walls inside of it, soundproofed. It had a little storage area at the front. And literally I could stand in there and touch both the walls, like left to right and the drums (laughs) in the back. You had to like weasel your way into this tiny fucking room with no, I mean, it's probably literally by the end of it with the drywall and everything it was like seven feet by 20 feet. So it's just this little, capsule you know and we're in there for a year I think we were right Unknown Road around that time or no not unknown road uh about time okay yeah about time and we'd run an extension cord over to Dawkins studio and I'd plug it into this light socket I got a little adapter and like so Dawkins over there with their like Ferraris and shit and Great White in this thing <laughs> in this in this little compound and ken seaton our old friend that was like there since the beginning doing our flyers and all our printing he had a print shop so that's why we were even on the fucking property and we were practicing there for you know a year or something and and one day we're we're playing the palladium and it was those uh epitaph summer nationals right and so Dawkins comes over and he sees us loading up gear and he goes oh what are you doing band in the box you got a gig tonight and i was like yeah and he's like oh where are you playing i'm like hollywood palladium he's like what I go well, Hollywood Palladium. He goes, oh no no, you're not playing the Hollywood Palladium. You're you're confused. And I go, oh, I am. And he's all, yeah yeah, the Hollywood Palladium is like this huge venue in L A. You're definitely not playing the Palladium. And I go, yeah, we are. I, I know for sure the Hollywood Palladium. We are playing there tonight. And he's like, are you serious? He's all, you, do you know how big that venue is? I'm like, yeah. He's all, well, who are you opening for? You know that's a that's a honor to play there, and you know that's big time shit. And I was like. <laughs> yeah I, I know i go well we're actually headlining he goes okay he goes dude he goes you're tripping you're you're not fucking headlining the palladium <laughs> all right because you need to call your manager or whoever it is that takes care of your band and find out where you're going because you're going to the wrong spot i'm like no dude we're headlining the palladium tonight he's all like, you're out of your fucking mind like he was adamant there's no fucking way and i'm like i, I can i go i don't know how i prove it to you and you know, that was like before fucking, you know, cell phones and internet basically and uh smartphones. And I we actually there was a BAM magazine laying there. Oh, yeah or an LA Weekly or something. And I go, wait a second, I fucking open it. There's like a full page ad, Pennywise fucking headlining Hollywood Palladium. He's like, What the fuck is going on here? Like he was completely blown away out of his mind. He's like, This is not happening. I'm like, Yeah, we've been doing this shit forever. We sold out the shrine like you know a couple of years ago and he's like what the fuck so he let us he's all anytime you want to practice you come into my studio it's you're good to go on the fucking house i'll give you the keys from now on you can't wow. be in this fucking box he's all there's no air in here you're going to suffocate i go well this is how all the clubs are in europe dude we're just getting <laughs> you know warmed up so we wound up right we're writing full circle in dawkins studio and like it was all dawkins gear a huge room with ac a big screen tv leather couches we're like what the fuck and then like a full recording studio in there as well and ironically that was the first place we ever recorded a pennywise demo like i don't know 10 years or eight years whatever it was prior which we she wound up buying so he wound up being a super rad dude and then uh and then we just developed a relationship with him. It was pretty funny because we're these punk rockers from the box, and he's like Ferrari driving metal maniac, along with great white guys. And it's it's a long road down that down a long rabbit hole down that that uh little compound but that was that was pretty fucking cool so
1: you got to remember too that you know the, the the metal guys they were in a tailspin around the mid-90s i mean they're mm. the bottom dropped out for them so he, he just thinks you're the local kids down uh down in the the, the, the hot box playing he had no no idea
3: <laughs> this is before the tail dro- the the fucking bottom dropped out so we're over there we're brought down with him oh by the way like when he was gone one night i pulled out the fucking the two inch reels because i i knew about recording a bit and i put up uh two inch reels breaking the chains live in japan (laughs) and i remixed it i remixed it and in the middle of the night drunk and uh the fucking crowd noise was all fucking pre-recorded flown in and you you just like So I remixed it, I took it over to Total Access, where we were actually recording um, About Time, and I showed it to Wynn, who's the the owner over there, that's like Total Access, Black Flag, Mm -hmm. Descendants, Ronnie James Dio, Guns N' Roses, Sublime, like it's a really famous studio. And he goes, What is this Fletcher Knight show? I go, I remixed this off Dawkins Two Inch. And so he went fucking bananas, started screaming at me because he's like an audiophile guy. He's like, You realize you could have ruined that tape? You need to bake that tape and you could have destroyed <laughs> that property. You have no fucking business. I got like totally chewed <laughs> out. I thought I was all badass because I had like a personal remix of Breaking the Chains. But when Nirvana came along and started scooping it up and they were on the outs, I'll never forget. It. He goes, I go, What's wrong, dude? And he goes, I'll tell you what's wrong fucking nirvana Do you know those fucking guys and i go yeah kind of he's all fuck them those motherfuckers are ruining my life they ruin everything i fucking worked for and i was just thinking yeah dude because people actually wear fucking levi's and flannels they don't wear fucking spandex around all day and fucking <laughs> makeup and jewelry you know yeah. so it was god it was it was sad because those guys just crumbled man and just like any other genre that fails like it just It just went away and it was it was it was pretty bad because we would see those guys and and great white and a couple other bands of that nature would always be around there and they were like i bought a bunch of shit from great white man no Uh, kidding i call it the the fire sale like i still have a (laughs) bunch of their cabinets and shit but uh it was it was it was a sad time for them and still a rad red dude but uh yeah just i think he lives with his mom or if she's still alive and just kind of goes and plays a couple of and shows here and there, but you know, all good. He, he helped us along for a, uh the full circle era so. right
1: on well before we jump into jump into the track you know I, I love the sound of land of the free i think this record sounds great it was produced by the band and joe Bar- barisi is that how you pronounce it Bar- barisi mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a question so um you're you had a producer named darian rundle who produced straight ahead and then joe came on for land of the free and then uh darian came back for uh from the ashes in 2003 and the fuse in 05 so was is this just a just stop off? I mean, I love the sound of the record. Were you guys ultimately happy with it?
3: We had a studio next to Total Access that we wound up leasing from Wynn, and we built it. We used to go in there and record comps and stuff, and we went in there. Me and Byron and Justin from 98 Mute and this guy Mark Theodore from Theologian Records bought it, and we revamped it. We put a new board in, a Trident ADC, and, and a, got a Pro Tools rig and like put a bunch of money into it and uh darian was our in-house guy so we did that record with darian there and we mixed it at total access and then it was just kind of like stale like working with darian a little bit we worked with him a lot he was good but especially jim wanted to try somebody else so we got barisi and uh he was more of a metal guy he was like queens of the stone age guy and yeah all that stuff and we wanted a little you know a little bit heavier more bass driven you know sound and stuff so he was pretty blind, like, coming in there. He was asking me, like, does the kick drum sound good? Like, what's up? And help me, I've never done punk rock. And it was kind of funny, but he he was good. He was definitely, we rubbed, you know, me and him bedded heads a lot. And I think, basically, the band told him, don't listen to Fletcher, like, because I've always got my nose in where I don't, it doesn't belong when it comes to recording. <laughs> so I think they said, just disregard everything Fletcher says, do, do what you want to do. So i helped him a bit in the beginning getting sounds and then when it came to recording man it was it was a rough one but he uh he got good performances and a lot of people you know think it's one of our better sounding albums i you know i think it's really good i actually really good but i wish i you know you look back i'm like i wish the guitars had a little more distortion on them or this that and the other the recording experience itself was for me was kind of miserable because i owned the studio and he's like you call this a fucking studio what the fuck <laughs> like he he actually came to our studio and recorded
1: now was this stall number two it's called
3: yeah stall number two and okay we wound up trying to mix it at total access but he took it away and he wanted to go to an ssl console up in the valley and um yeah i remember one day he was he wouldn't turn the toms up and i was like dude can you turn the toms up in that part and he's like no and i was like can you just turn them up for a second and we can listen to it and see if you don't like it? Turn it back. Nope. Nope. Oh, man. And I was One like, of those. Dude, I was like, I wrote this song and this Tom part's supposed to be prevalent here. And uh, he's all, no, if you don't like it, fire me. And I'm like, that's not how we operate, dude. And he got me so fucking mad. I was out in my car, in my truck looking at his tr- his truck and i literally almost smashed it to bits i wound up <laughs> i wound up doing that later on it to someone else because i always wanted to do it like a demolition derby but fuck, man in hindsight i wish i would have done it because it would have been pretty legendary i was just revving my engine just sitting there i'm all you motherfucker and i i uh i drove around the neighborhood for like an hour to cool down but he was he was awesome like he he's a He's a rad dude, and he's really well known for guitar stuff. He's done a bunch of Bad Religion records now, and a bunch of other stuff. But he, he was a rad dude. It was just like you know, just sometimes when you're working with people, they have a different way of work. And then for yeah. me, for me, it wasn't the most pleasant experience. But for like Jim, I think Jim loved him. I love the guy, but I'm just saying, you know, it was it was grind but yeah i like how it sounds i, I think it's a good funny, punchy record
1: i think it's a great representation of what pennywise sounds like i think it sounds like you guys i think the guitars have plenty of fuzz on them for me i think they sound great and the low end on this record that's really randy's bass sounds great And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit but yeah joe he's credited uh to your point a lot of metal uh slipknot clutch chevelle Cody and Cambria, the Melvins, so um, an interesting choice for producer, but I I think the record sounds great. The song's three minutes and 16 seconds. Fletcher, there's an intro of eight bars, it's bass drum and stereo guitars, all hammering this like staccato part together. (laughs) On the seventh and eighth bars, the drums go to the floor tom and snare, and then to a full beat with the bass and stereo guitars for another eight bars before we jump into verse one. It sounds to me like through the whole track, I want to see if you remember, were all the vocals double tracked?
3: Probably. You know, that's a thing that I'm not a huge fan of in general, but a lot of bands do it. And Jim got on that kick, I think, with like Mike Ness, like, because he found out, you know, Social D was doing it and other bands as well. But yeah, like, I think the first, like, Unknown Road and the first album were not doubled about time may or may not have been doubled um yeah. all the way through but like we when jason was in the band before his death like he would back up there was a lot of doubled lines right where jason would he wouldn't even really consider it a background vocal it was like jason would double jim exactly punch up these lines and then the courses would be you know harmonies and different and different things that would come in on songs but eventually when jason was gone like Jim was just like missing something. So he and, and Randy's voice was different than Jason's, right? So uh, Jim would just like to double the whole track. And then some of the lines you would kind of turn up a little bit, like the whole track's doubled. And he try to do it perfectly where you wouldn't, you don't know it's a double. Yeah. Just like as a thickener, a little underlying thickener. So it works good, but I think I, I kind of miss like some of those lines where Jason would, you know, just come in and punch it up and it would be almost invisible, like on a road or something like that but yeah it, it probably is doubled the whole way through
1: this would have been all jim here doing the doubling not randy doing any doubles right
3: yep if jim did a double on a on a whole track it would just be like a whole pass through and then you go back and do it again and just nail like really tight it, it's literally just like almost like having a delay on the on a regular vocal right just fattens it up a little bit and it's it's a studio trick that a lot of a lot of people use as you know
1: yeah well so i know you guys get in the studio and you hash everything out each coming with different ideas but do you recall doing a demo of this song
3: yeah you did i recall all of it uh, like where we practice is justin Thursk, jason's little brother's mm-hmm. house and it's actually the house that jason passed away at and Je- justin inherited it and we've been practicing in that garage you know that entire time and talk about a small space it's even smaller than than the container (laughs) but i managed to fit a little recording room off the back of it that's probably seven feet by maybe four feet not even four feet maybe three and a half like so your back's against the wall and you're wedged into the console i got the console from the form that was the actual pa for the form like you know lakers home of the lakers and shit back in the day no Um, kidding yeah i got that at guitar center they traded it in the church bought the form a church bought it they traded that for like three microphones the guys that get it the fuck out of here it weighs like 900 pounds so that's literally (laughs) what we've been making our demos on for 20 plus years actually the straight ahead demo was done on that as well and that was at great White's studio when we took over great white's place for a minute but long story so yeah so Justin played drums so if I couldn't round up Byron or out like I've got weird hours and shit like I'm going down to that garage it's three blocks from my house and I'm playing in there it's all carpeted up and you could fucking play at midnight the house is right next door I would drag Justin off his couch like he would just be watching football That hey dude this I got a song I need He's like, oh fuck no come on man I'm watching fucking Monday night football no, fuck that you know like get up and I would force him to come out and fuck authority was that type of situation where I had this idea and I usually how I write when I'm writing songs is I probably like everybody else is I come up with a guitar riff first. I don't, I'm not even thinking about vocals. And mm-hmm. then I either don't ever come up with a vocal idea and I just give it to Jim or I will go record the song and then work on vocals afterwards, or I'll sing along and come up with melody, hum a melody while I'm playing and literally I don't remember even necessarily having a a vocal melody when I went in that room to start jamming it but it just it just came to me and the fuck authority you know I I was a huge fan of um wasted youth and T S O L. Oh yeah. So you have a song called Fuck Authority by Wasted Youth and you have a song called Silent Majority by T S O L, mm, right? There you go. So those lyrics were just stuck in my head and somehow I just worked them into that whole thing like literally on the spot basically like we started playing and I was showing him the parts and he's like okay okay and that's like he he's a perfect drum machine because he would just do what I said you know like you really wouldn't would have a ton of input but he would like I go play a tom beat here and do this so we're just jamming along and you know I'd say about 40 minutes into playing it like it, the structure was there, the melody was there. I didn't really have a verse going, but the the pre-course and the chorus was there and the turnaround. And I remember, like, as it started taking shape, he was like, fuck, fuck. He's all, why can't we write a song like this? Because he was in 98 mute. I'm like, I don't know. He's all, fuck, how did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, it it just came to me. So those songs are in my head and then as the song progressed and started writing like the real lyrics to it so that was like the demo so we 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 actually were able to record it right there on the spot and get the basic nuts and bolts and then i went in and started writing lyrics around fuck authority silent majority right yeah and for me the the lyrics to it were like i i was really pissed off about this rampart scandal going on in la in the lapd where these cops had been framing and robbing murdering you know like a whole slew dealing drugs there was like i think it was like 26 cops that were finally indicted
1: yeah i remember that
3: one cop grew a conscious and came forward and ratted on everybody and it was just like i don't know like obviously i'm not a a fan of police in general like i just haven't been i know there's a lot of good cops up there and i know a lot of cops and there's a lot of cops that do their job but i was just on the receiving end of bad shit multiple times growing up in the 80s being a punk rocker getting my ass kicked i mean i've had cops arrest me you know put me on trial like lying on the witness stand under oath like i've i've seen it all you know i've had broken bones from beatings because i didn't do shit because i was an exploited gig or whatever you know what i mean like yeah so not a huge fan of, of police back in those days and not a huge like when you hear something about these cops you know that our tax dollars are going to to pay their salary and they're supposed to protect and serve and they're actually killing people framing people i think like 17 people or maybe it was like maybe it was like 60 people got released from jail and prison because they were wrongfully convicted by these cops it was like insane and it's like not only is our tax dollars getting spent poorly by paying these guys to do that do their job that they're not doing then we're housing these criminals that weren't even criminals and literally killing people these guys were fucking killing people so i was all about writing a song about voicing my opinion towards that and at the same time like you know all pennywise songs are pretty much about current events or something going on that's making us mad right because we're pretty pretty political at times and uh yeah so that's what, what shaped the lyrics started going going down for me. And then um, Randy got up there, and I'm like, hey, I'm having trouble with a verse. And he, like a verse melody, I had some lyrical ideas, and then we, me and him brainstormed. Uh, he came up with, like, first verse, and then I was like, do this on the back half, and we came up with a quick verse, and all of a sudden, it was a song. So usually how I write songs is I'll, I'll just give Jim a blank slate sometimes, but if I have a melody idea... I can give him that as well, but a lot of times he doesn't want to hear my melody idea because it gets stuck in his head. Yeah. So he's like, hey, I don't want to fuck with your shit at all. Like, let me do my thing. And then if you don't like it, we'll try yours. So in this case, we wrote, you know, verse, pre-course, course, turnaround, and then we just doubled that. So I I would never really get around to writing a second verse, although the topic matter was there. I would usually like make sure Jim liked the song and it was going to grow, grow legs. Yeah. In this case, he fucking loved the song. And when, when that was the case, he would usually jump in for like the second verse on like that, or my God or slew of other, other ones. Um, He would just be like.
1: I got to tell you, what what a great point you just made. No one's ever brought that up on the show. Uh, you said that, you know, your, your idea is always going to be there, but Jim would like the clean slate. That is, That is so, uh, I, I totally get that. I've had Roger do that with me. He'll have a song and an idea. He's like, no, I want to hear what you come up with. I'm always going to have my melody line, because if Jim were to hear your yep. melody line first, then he, he wouldn't be able to have anything to go off of except what, what you came to the table. That's a great point.
3: Right. It, it's weird because I don't have a problem with that. Like I can hear somebody's melody line, and I can be like, fuck that. Throw that away, and I could write three other melody lines. Like, um, maybe if it's not a good melody line, then it doesn't click in your head. But for him, he keeps hearing mine, so he gets the blank slate. And obviously, you know, nine times out of ten, he's writing something better than me. You know, yeah. I never really considered myself like a melody writer or a lyricist, but I did write a lot of melodies and and lyrics over the you know from from the first album on. You know, me and Jason were writing a lot of stuff together, and obviously, Unknown Road was a was a very involved melody lyric writing process. Yeah, so for me if I if I find it I'm like fuck this is totally worth delivering to Jim with my melody line and I feel really strongly about a song and the words and the content and you know the concept of it, I'll give it to him like whether he wants it blank or not like I'll be like here you go and be too late sorry I don't have it without lyrics. Yeah. And my my voice sucks so I usually get Randy or you know anybody I can find, or I'll take a stab at it to try to sing for me, and I'll coach them, and I'll get it to a good place, and then I'll be like, here you go. So the last album we did, Jim basically took all my lyrics, all my ideas, and threw them in the trash can and goes, hey, I got new ideas for all these songs, like six songs. And I was like, okay. And he fucking just got on the microphone and killed it. And I was like, wow, that is way better than my shit. Thank God.
1: <laughs> that's all. Aw- that's awesome though. That you can put that, you know, we all have those little, uh, uh, ego scuffles in bands. You could put that aside if you, if you're like, I know Jim stuff's better. And I, and, and you sound like you owned it. That's great.
3: I mean, there, there's, there's a couple times where I, I might've liked mine better, but you know, there's always that problem where it's like, no, I don't want to sing your lyrics. Like that's, that's a bitch because he'll write guitar shit that to me is it's great. But it, the song's great because of the melody line. Like, the guitar part, to me, is not that interesting. But, like, a lot of guitar parts aren't that interesting. They're just 4-4 four four in punk rock, right? In, yeah. in general, in music. And I'm, I'm, like, the king of, like, pickup notes and writing weird, jerky stuff that's not always the easiest to write you know melody lines over so sometimes he'll bring me something and i'll be like fuck this is a great song the guitar's you know pretty rudimentary but i gotta play this and i'll play it because the song's good but if i imagine me bringing him a song with lyrics that he doesn't want to sing and like we don't go around talking about who wrote what like obviously it comes out in interviews and shit like that but for from all intents and purposes it's everybody you know yeah everybody's got their hands in there at the end of the day and they're all i mean someone writes the bulk of the song but you know if i write the music jim writes the lyrics byron comes in with some cool drum ideas randy's doing bass lines and saying hey what about this vocal idea for the bridge like everybody's writing together sure it's hard sometimes and i remember i, I wrote a song called something's wrong with me that was literally a song about myself like being a fucked up individual and why am i you know fucked up and jim's like yeah you're gonna finish the lyrics on this one i'm not (laughs) doing the second verse this (laughs) is all you and so that that happens too so you gotta kind of look for me it's easy to look like put the ego aside and be like this is a great song the guitar part's really easy for me to play and i'd like to spice it up and i try to at times but it's like Suck it up, play the part, and let the the melody line and the song, you know, be what's important, and, and right. put your guitar ego aside. Because I'm not a, a good guitar player, but I I have my style. So sometimes when you don't get to do your style, and I guarantee Jim goes through that. And if I tell Randy play this bass line, he's like, "Fuck you! I'm not playing that bass <laughs> line. I want to. I'm writing my own bass line." I'm like, "Right, okay, go ahead." But yeah, so it's it's always a struggle. But that's for the, in all intents and purposes, that's how it came together. Like, and I was scared because like. You just don't know like when you really like a song which has happened before where it's just like jim's like i'm not singing that song i'm not into it at all and it just gets completely shut down no voting like just over it you know for whatever reason and i get that you know because you're the singer and you gotta you gotta be out there projecting that to an audience and they're looking at you like no matter what you wrote the lyrics or so they're coming out of your mouth so you're the guy and if yeah. you don't like the lyrical content or what's going on then you don't want to be that guy so i get that but on this one i remember he walked into the studio we're now we're over and doing a real demo at total access i think we were probably doing it even with darian or something and or uh, at stall number two and he was like hey fuck authority great song man and i was like oh cool i'm all yeah i think that turnaround's a little bit long and we could trim some fatties all no no it's perfect the way it is right now
1: that's awesome and i was like
3: fuck and then he wrote that second verse, and it's like, fuck, you know, he he gets into the like, role. And I mean, obviously, the song, you know, I wrote it, directed at LAPD, but the song became bigger when he got involved, and it became just an anti authoritarian song because, you know, none of us like being told what to do, and especially if you're being told what to do, and it's not something you want to fucking do by someone in a position of power. So it just goes through everything from your, your parents to your fucking teachers to your government to your fucking you know lawmakers to your boss at work like anybody can latch on to that song and be like fuck you you know hey
2: everybody don't go anywhere we got lots more with fletcher after a few words from our sponsors hey chris Fletcher from Pennywise is our guest this week. And actually I went on our sponsor Rockabilia.com's website to see what Pennywise shirts are on there. And there's actually a really sick black shirt with the big Pennywise logo, like huge Pennywise logo in gray. And it's pretty awesome. I think that I'm going to go on Rockabilia.com and use the discount code to makes <laughs> to get 15 percent off and order that shirt myself. I thought you were hinting because
1: the holidays are coming up that you wanted me to go get you that Pennywise shirt.
2: <laughs> yeah, give me give me a Pennywise shirt for Christmas. Uh, Rockabilia.com, man, that's the place to go. Over 500,000. That's half a million different items i mean every t-shirt you can imagine sweatshirt i mean i saw they had belt buckles toys everything you can imagine on Rockabilia.com. that's right chris everything is officially licensed and there's more band
1: merch than any other company or website and Rockabilia
2: features bands across a wide range of genres speaking of a wide range of genres chris and speaking of gifts coming up i was on there looking dude they have iron maiden action figures on there what? <laughs> they have Iron Maiden act like a lot of them. I saw this one that was peace of mind. Is that an Iron Maiden album or song or something? It
1: certainly is. It was our fourth record.
2: Well, I saw they had an Asylum Eddie action figure. And they had tons of other action figures of Iron Maiden. So I figured that that would be something you'd like on Rockabilia. That's awesome. Well head to
1: rockabilia.com and use the promo code Demakes to get fifteen percent off, and you too can get your own Iron Maiden shirt. Or Iron Maiden toy. And now, back to the show. Sometimes you gotta find another way. You better write your mind and live by what you say. Today is just another day, unless you set your sights and try to find a way. And the drums on the first half of this go to a kick, floor tom, and snare as the bass and stereo guitars are playing these palm-muted eighth notes. On the second half, the drums switch to a kick and snare and hi-hat. And now this first verse is the one you wrote by yourself, correct?
3: No, that's me and Randy.
1: That's you and Randy. Right okay. There. okay. Okay. Yep. And was this kind of on the first initial idea of the demo? Is this what you had come up, up with after you had figured out it's going to be called Fuck Authority and, and Silent Majority was going to be part of the chorus lyric?
3: No, no. Actually, I had like I had a bunch of ideas for the verse, but I had like the pre-course, you know, fuck authority, silent majority raised by the system. I had all that and then I had frustration, domination. So I showed Rand- Randy shows up and I show him that and I said, here's what the song's about. Here's the vibe, and he's like, okay. And then we he started brainstorming that first verse, and he came up with like a repetitive thing, and I was like, hey. And he actually wrote those lyrics right there oh, okay. on the spot, and I was like, hey, change the back half. So it was like someday you gotta find another. And then I I wrote I gave him the melody for the back half of, of the first line, and we just sat there, and I don't remember like how much time we put into like writing those lyrics but it was pretty fast and all of a sudden it was like that's really cool that works let's record you singing it so there's literally a demo of randy singing this entire song like sitting on a half inch reel in that garage right now oh wow it'll probably wind up in the punk rock museum as a matter of fact maybe with (laughs) that board and all that shit well real real
1: real quick here so you you just said it you're calling this part uh, I Say Fuck Authority, Silent Majority, etc. We'll get into the lyrics in a moment, but you're calling this part the pre-chorus, correct?
3: Yep, yep. Okay. Pre-chorus. Strange, right?
1: Well, it's interesting because, you know, the title of the song's in there. I'm calling this the chorus and the frustration and domination part. I'm calling it a post-chorus part. Right. But hey, but hey it could it could be either or. Um, it, it's a very- What do you call
3: the part that says, stop trying, stop trying, After. Uh, well, I'm, I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm keep- well, I'm 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 well, I'm I'm lumping that into the post-chorus. I'm keeping that all mm-hmm. all, all, all all together, but I kind of like uh, what you're saying here because it does break down. We'll call this a pre-chorus. I say drunk authority, I say fuck authority, silent majority, raised by the system. Now it's time to rise against them. We're sick of your treason, sick of your lies. Fuck no, we won't listen. We're going to open your eyes. And I got to tell you, this song to me is like the complete embodiment of what pennywise is all about especially that lyric right there that's kind of what your band is based on
3: to me i was getting goosebumps when you're reading that that's kind of gross (laughs) (laughs) i gave (laughs) fletcher goosebumps yeah fuck everything destroy (laughs)
1: <laughs> no i mean that i don't know like you know you guys have always been uh where do you want to call it anti-authority in this song man it's it's obviously a fan favorite and, and and to your point it can mean so many things to so many people that's the beauty of of lyrics but uh you know fuck authority could mean like you said your parents your teachers the police wh- whoever is uh in a position of power holding you down
3: yeah whatever you're mad about or whoever you're mad at you know you can just throw this song in your car full blast and you know, it's like reminiscent of like "Killing in the Name of" or something. You know, like by raging against the machine. Like oh, yeah. it, it's written out of frustration and and anger. I mean, we're we all make mistakes, and and uh, we try to like you know, as punk rockers, be more morally responsible for our actions. And you know, of course, I'm a fuck up, and I've done a lot of dumb shit and stuff that would be considered pretty unmoral, I guess, at this point. If you consider biting people and throwing up on people and shit like that, unmoral. I've yes, seen it. Moral, yeah, so I mean, I'm not I'm not a fucking spokesperson for doing the right thing by any means, but just like anybody else, things make make me mad, and like that was that was it, and it's it's just like yeah, I feel. Like literally when you read that to me, I felt like I started getting angry and just wanting to like fucking punch something. Cause that's what a lot of our songs do. You know, they make yeah. you, they're designed to like, make you wake up, make you stand up for yourself, make you feel empowered. Cause there's so many people out there that are in abusive situations uh, and a multitude of reasons like, or depressed or this or that. And we've always wanted songs that can lift people up and say, Hey, you're not alone. Like, you know, yeah, you know we're we're here for you, and and we're we're thinking the same way, and uh, yeah. So songs like that are kind of timeless because it doesn't matter what's going on right now. You could find a hundred things going on in the world that this song would be appropriate to to turn up full blast and get mad, you know
1: i'm going to go ahead and call this a pre-chorus because it does break down we're going to call the the next part the chorus and then the post-chorus is going to be okay. the, st- the stop Sorry.
3: trying part no i i think i think you're right in your defense to not to interrupt like it's really weird for me to like go and play a mute part like the lyrical the fuck authority silent majority that's like the hook of the song and that yeah. should be the course but the fact that it's like sucked down right there and going into a mute right there is not something we do very often And I don't really go by a set of rules. Like, if you listen to our albums, they're all on a map. Like, some albums have pre courses, some of them have no pre courses, some of them have, you know, completely different outros or completely different bridges, blah, blah, blah. So, this was one of those things that just like somehow, when I was jamming it in the room that day, when I had all these parts in my mind and I was putting them together, that just felt right. So, I don't
1: know. I know. I'm glad you said that because later on when we get to the gang vocal part, it has to be broke down and and it kind of lends itself to this feel that you've already done earlier in the song. I think it's great. In this pre-chorus that we're calling it now, the band breaks down kind of the same feel as the first two lines of the verse. The drums are on the kick, the floor time, and the snare as the bass and stereo guitars are playing those eighth note chugs you were just mentioning for this whole pre-chorus part. Something interesting here, Fletcher. On Sick of Your Lies, again, there's this is double-tracked vocals throughout this section. But right here, there's a slight harmony on one of the double-lead vocals. You get a harmony on the word lies. You know what I'm talking about? Sick of Your Lies I don't know if that was an accident that Jim had done, but it's really cool because it's the only spot in the song that you actually get in harmony. And on the last line here, we're going to open your eyes. There's this big Byron drum fill that he's known for that takes us into what we're calling the chorus... frustration domination feel the rage of a new generation we're living we're dying we're never ever gonna stop and then of course the post chorus is stop trying that lyric for four times but uh what are you trying to say here
3: i guess there's always been rebellion like obviously throughout the history of fucking planet earth i think it was just kind of like the punk rock generation hasn't been around that long you know since like the early you know mid-70s whatever yeah and You had all these other genres of music that are compliant, basically, right? They're like feel-good, fucking rock and roll, this, that, and the other, reggae, country music was a little bit outlaw, blah, blah, blah. But like punk rock's the first one genre that I think really embraced like fuck the system, fuck the man. You know, we don't like it. We're going to yell and scream. We're going to write fucking one-minute long songs at full volume. We suck, but we're going to scream until you hear us. So it's kind of like, here we are we're the new generation and we're fucking sick of your bullshit and we're just not gonna put up with it anymore and we're gonna keep fighting and i think we've seen a lot more in recent years since since the song even and even before the song of people standing up for themselves and what they believe in and and getting more vocal so it's just about basically like any group of humans that uh you know is fed up and is just gonna come at you full speed and i think punk rock has has tackled a lot of subjects and has been on the forefront of just saying hey fuck you like we're not we're calling you out we're going to tell it like it is if you don't want to hear it fine but we're not going to write love songs and we're not going to write fucking, you know surf songs we're going to we're going to write songs that matter to us and we're going to try to bring about change in the world for better you know and, yeah. It's kind of just like, yeah, we're fucking fed up and we're coming for you. And that's the, the, basic meaning of that course if you would yeah
1: well i i love that you can really hear the unison vocals in this part i think it needs it i think it just it doesn't sound like a gang vocal but you can hear it It sounds mean it sounds tough the bass drums and stereo guitars are in i wrote again this part just pummeling these big open buzzsaw guitar chords on we're never gonna stop on stop the band stops completely And then on stop trying, the whole feel kind of changes for these back four lines. And at the last line of stop trying, there's a big Tom buildup to a complete stop. And then this big pick slide takes us into verse number two. You know, the time is right to take control. We got to take offense against the status quo. No way. Not going to stand for it today. Fight for your rights. It's time we had our say. There you go. Was this the lyric that Randy came in and wrote or Jim? Jim. Jim did this one. Okay.
3: So I think that that pretty much sums up like what we've been talking about. Once yeah. again, it's basically just saying, hey, we're here and we're we're just letting our fans and any listeners know like... Hey man, it's, it's time for you to take action. And it's a great fucking verse. You know, he just, he's always so good at like, picking up on like what you're writing. If I'm writing or Randy's writing and going, Hey, I got some ideas now too and that's his job like he's the lyricist he's the melody maker right so having him cu- come in and put the icing on the cake of songs is always awesome to watch and be like hey this line right here not so much Al. like check this line out. you're like oh fuck yeah that's how it's supposed to go yeah but it's just a a call to arms right it's it's like the normal like what we've been fed is is no longer acceptable and we're not going to keep eating your pablum Or whatever they, whatever that is, is that pablum? Is that a good use of that word?
1: I, I think so. Baby
3: food, (laughs) like baby food, or some (laughs) shit. We're not gonna keep keep eating your bullshit. Like we're we're done. And he he summed it up perfectly right there. And. There you have it, verse number two.
1: I got to say, you know, I I already mentioned, I love the production on this record. I think the low end's great. I think the guitars, the vocals. Uh, I got to give a nod to Joe Barisi right now. You know, Fletcher, again, I think this sounds like Pennywise. There's not a like crazy overdub guitar noodling things. It it sounds like he kind of let you guys be you. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. um, He didn't have a lot of direction on like song structure and stuff like that one of the things he taught us which is really cool is to double ending lines so if you're if you're on a course or a verse where you just typically have like four four bars of something mm-hmm. take the fourth bar and double that and maybe tweak the lyric a little bit so you're like five yeah and you'll hear that on some of these songs not on not on me- this song particularly but that was pretty cool but he was just kind of like he's the known forgetting the sounds guy and he's the guitar sound guy so we We did a bunch of shootouts with different uh, amps and stuff. And uh, I remember I had a a Crate Blue Voodoo. And he's like, the fuck you're playing a Crate Blue Voodoo (laughs) on this record? You're not playing a Crate. I'm like, okay, well, let's at least listen to it. And it was like a $3,000 head. It was like actually like really really nice head that they built like a high-end one yeah but no one wanted to pay three thousand dollars for a fucking crate amp <laughs> and um <laughs> we did the shootout and he was pretty fucking blown away by by how good it sounded at the end but yeah he he was he was the sound guy and and he was really good at getting uh jim to sing you know and coaching jim and uh i remember like den it and it and and then it the intro of this song yeah it's really weird. I do this straight, I down pick, but then I do a weird upstroke in it and you can get turned around when you're doing that. It, it's like, if you tried to play it, you'd, you'd know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I know, I, like I play, know exactly what i are talking about. <laughs> right. So it's, it's a weird, it's a weird little thing. And I was getting turned around on it when I was doing it like on the double or something so like, what the fuck's wrong with you so like, can't you hear that i'm like dude i don't even know what i'm doing like i yeah. i just yeah i just wrote this part and i don't ever like look at the technique i just write it and it was kind of a weird people said that foo fighters uh stole that lick from for uh, all all my life
1: uh, all my life ghost. <laughs> <laughs>
3: They fucking ripped you off. They ripped you off. I'm like, no, and didn't. It's not even close, but it's similar, like similar type of intro. But uh, yeah, he was super pissed off. And, and then him yelling at me put me under a bunch of pressure to even mess it up more and more and more times. And eventually I got it right. But uh, he was good at... Um, at getting performances out of people, let's say
1: Yeah, well we're going to talk about Some of that palm muting When we get to the instrumental bridge here in a bit There's some really cool stuff you do in there on guitar But the pre-chorus here um, The band dynamics are the same as pre-chorus one It's the same lyrics here You get that harmony again on lies And the line, sick of your lies The last line here, we're going to open your eyes Man, there's a killer bass guitar run That Randy does
0: majority
1: And I gotta say, Fletcher, I, I don't think Randy gets enough credit in the punk rock circles of how good he is, man. I he is he, so good. He is such a great bass player. If you're listening, Randy, hello, I love you, man. He is awesome. I love the tone there of the bass. It just really stands out. It's great. We go into chorus number two. You're right! Interesting chorus, you know, typically, you know, if you're going to change up a chorus, it's going to be the last time in the song. Nope. It's chorus number two here. We get a back half lyric change. It's completely doubles up. Yeah, it's completely different. So we get a double uh, chorus. here. I'm going to read all these lyrics uh, out. Frustration, domination, feel the rage of a new generation. We're living, we're dying. And here's where it changes. We're sick and tired of relentless lying. Destroy, Enjoy. Your fucking world is our new toy. Dominate, eliminate. You're gonna feel the wrath, wrath of hate. And on wrath, the band stops. Wrath of hate, uh, that lyric happens. And then we get an instrumental bridge for 16 bars. really aggressive guitar here. And this is what I was uh, speaking of a moment ago, Fletcher. There's these harmonics that are happening between the palm muting there. that are really cool.
3: Yeah. And then get harmonics right in there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because we never do bridge parts without lyrics, right? It's always got, I mean, I can't remember a bridge part other than like a guitar solo, but like, there's not like a rhythmic bridge part that doesn't have, (laughs) lyrics at some point
1: i wrote that in my notes this is odd for you guys what was the deal really? here was there no lyrics or just it sounded good how it was because this is this is different for you not to have lyrics during a bridge
3: yeah i don't know it's it's like when i wrote it i i had this bridge and the ball got in jim's court on jim's court eventually with that double vert that double course uh there I don't know, maybe it was like, hey, just let's take a breather right here. And he he didn't write anything for it. I think we attempted to write stuff there, but then the fact that it like breathes for a minute and it was pretty powerful. Like I love playing that part on stage. Like I get so fucking amped to to rock that part with no uh, it's almost like a guitar solo in a weird way without being a solo with like only three chords, but it's really fun to just play that with nothing. Cause it's so rare probably for us to even do it.
1: I'm glad you said that. Cause this is to me, a breath of fresh air. There's no vocals pummeling you because the next section, it seems like it pops so much more right. when we go into the pre-chorus. And we'll get there in a second. At the very end of this instrumental bridge uh, solo part, at the end of the 16 bars, the band stops completely. And there's just four subtle hits of the hi-hat. Uh, not even hits with a stick. It's just uh, Byron yeah. you know, h- hitting the hi-hat. Foot tap. A l- little, little, I think little, it's l- foot tap. Yeah, a little, yeah. A, l- a little foot tap that takes... Takes us into pre-chorus number three, which again, whether we're calling this a pre-chorus or a chorus, Fletcher, I kind of feel like you get two choruses in this song.
3: Yeah, that's that's kind of like actually a good a good way to describe it because obviously, if you ask somebody what's the chorus for "Fuck Authority," they're gonna say it's the "Fuck Authority" part, right? (laughs) Yeah, and I I'm just saying like from layman's terms of like working on a song it's like here's the verse here's the pre-course sucked down the course explodes with the you know frustration then you got to turn around after that with the stop trying and then uh yeah so it's it's you're kind of right it's a double double whatever however you want to describe it
1: well, coming out of that bridge, it I, again, I think this part hits harder because there's no vocals there, and uh, when it gets into this, what we're calling pre-chorus three, the drums are just present with the bass. It's kick, floor tom, and snare with the bass guitar until the lyric, Sit, we're sick of your treason. Uh, when that comes in, the stereo guitars come back in, but for the first four lines here, it's just drums and bass, huge gang vocal. Fuck you know this. This vocal kind of reminded me. I, I felt like I I uh, transported uh, to, to your studio in my head, Fletcher. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's almost like you invited all your friends back from the bar one night to sing this part.
3: Uh, actually. It was almost like that. We did a contest to uh, bring people to to sing that part. Like we, what? Yeah, we did a contest where got on, you know, went out there and said, "Hey, you know, put your name in the hat if you'd like to come to California and sing this song." I don't think we told them what song it was. Just come sing on a Pennywise record, and uh, we had I don't know how many submissions. You know, thousands and thousands of people it was like, "Hey, you got to get your own way here." You know, you gotta pay for your own accommodations because we weren't trying to like fly twenty people out here. And I think it was like fifteen or twenty people. And um yeah, they came, dude. They came from all Canada, Florida, everywhere.
1: Oh, that is super cool.
3: There was a kid named James who and the way that we picked him was like I literally randomly went through and read people's emails and and just said, Okay, this guy should be here. You know what I mean? It wasn't like drawing numbers, it was like I read every single submission which took a long time and um some people would have like nothing some people have you know say something more relative that you know put them to the forefront but there's this kid james from canada and i called and his mom and i called everybody individually and was like hey you won the contest and they're like oh shit or you're 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 invited so this kid was 16 i got on the phone with his mom and she's like oh oh my god well you know he you know, he. We're in Edmonton or whatever, it was, or Toronto, I think it was. And so, he, his brother had recently um, committed suicide, and he found him like, oh, geez. like a couple weeks before. And the mom was like, "He's going through a really hard time, and you know, he loves your band, and we can't afford to send him." And I'm like, "Okay, check it out. I'll pay for his plane ticket, and he can stay at my house."
0: Oh man! And I mean,
3: what fucking. Are- what parent would fucking bring their <laughs> their child under my fucking wing for you know a, a week <laughs> Living at my house a 16 year old kid man and his mom put him on the plane and and his mom and dad put him on the plane and i picked him up from the airport and he stayed with me for i don't know four or five days and he sang on fuck authority along with all these other people and uh yeah it was pretty cool
1: that is so rad. You don't know how many times I went to bat for you, Fletcher. You're a big softy and I always knew it. Um.
3: Yeah. He, 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 he got to witness some interesting shit. Trust me. And we've been, we've been friends ever since like obviously he's an adult. It's 20 years later, but, uh,
1: that is awesome.
3: Yeah. So we had a big barbecue and they, they all came and sang. And, uh, I think they sang on a couple other songs as well. We use them for some group parts and stuff. And, uh, I can't remember what songs I have to listen to the album, but uh,
1: oh, I have never heard of a band doing that. That is that is so awesome.
3: Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. But now every every one of them is always like, "Hey, you're coming through town? Can I get on the guest list?" Like, for the last twenty years, <laughs> yeah. somebody somebody wants to guess the spot because they sang but Yeah, they get it. But that was the group. That was the group. That was not everyone from the bar. It was everyone from the world.
1: Well, again, talk about a part hitting hard after we get out of this pre-chorus that breaks down here. Man, when when this uh when this chorus hits, it's just like the all the lights come on. Yeah. frustration It's the same lyric, uh, It goes back to frustration, domination, feel the rage of a new generation, we're living, we're dying, we're never ever going to stop on stop, the band stops, and then you get stop trying for four more times, and uh, the band ends here, I wrote the word dot nine times, it's dot 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 dot. dot that uh, yep, yep. <laughs> and that's uh bass drum stereo guitars and uh classic pennywise ending the song comes to an end and obviously you guys will always be known for bro him but i think this song's second line to, to what pennywise uh, is all about man
3: i would say that yeah those two have the uh craziest crowd reaction society's another one that's up on that list but um oh yeah I'd like i say about Brohem, not to ch- switch gears but like Everybody that's in that room that's heard Broham and has lost a a friend or a loved one, you know, whether it's their mom, their dad, their best friend, their fucking dog, you know, like they have an emotional connection. That song's been played at so many funerals and has so many stories. I've heard thousands like probably tens of thousands by now of stories about like that was played at my friend's funeral. Here's what happened. He died in a motorcycle accident or this happened or that happened. they like, I got the lyrics tattooed on me or this. And so I always try to think about Brohem as like, it's not our song anymore. It's our fan song. And so when you imagine being in a room with 5,000 people that know Brohem and like Broham or 10,000 people or, you know, 50,000, whatever, like let's say 10,000 at, at a pennywise big show in la like everyone in that fucking room that song means something different to them individual or like their group of friends so when they sing it the emotional level there is so fucking high because they're invested in the song so hardcore that you it's it's becomes a a brotherhood song because the guy next to you that you've never met in your life is singing it his guts out for his brother that died and you're singing it for your best friend and it becomes this fucking unstoppable energy that like it just translates to like what what we're doing up there obviously we know we feed off the crowd but that song will fuck me up night after night after night and just make me like i go through it you know with my brother dying and jason dying yeah and a lot of my friends are gone it, it different nights mean different things depends on who's there in the building with me and who brought up what or you know maybe a recent friend passed away and we're singing it It happens all the time um we're always losing people so it just it just becomes this huge emotional outburst and outpouring so it's like fuck authority is along the same lines like it's not as emotional it's not like that sentimental But it is like if you're having a bad day or a bad month or you remember something traumatic that happened to you by, you know, like a fucking Catholic priest or some shit, like you got pent-up aggression and anger that needs to be fucking relieved. So when you play fuck authority, the same thing happens. Everyone's got something in their life that they're not happy about and somebody telling them what to fucking do that they want to just fucking, you know, beat to death. So it's like, (laughs) hey. Get it out of your system right now amongst your friends where you can go knock yourself around in the pit, fucking rush the stage, you know. A lot of people, that's when they decide, like, fuck the security, I'm coming, you know. I'm I'm singing a couple notes and doing a stage dive. And uh, it's the same type of energy, man. So it's, it's definitely one of those songs where when you hit it, You'll you'll see who's who's mad that night. You know the people that are pissed and have have a, a bone to pick or something to get off their chest. They're going hard. So it's having two two songs like that in our set list is like wow. And lately we've been playing like you know Stand by Me, fuck authority, bro and it's just like deadly or <laughs> bro, fuck authority, Stand by Me, bro and it's like a deadly combo of just like fuck man, the the fucking building's about to explode. So it's pretty we're pretty fortunate to have stumbled across those types of songs, you know?
1: Heck yeah. Well, listen, man, I bottom, of my heart, I want to thank you for sitting in today. And, and before we break, uh, what do you want to leave the listeners with? What What's happening with Pennywise? What you guys got coming up?
3: Well, we just got back from Australia, which was awesome. We've been doing a bunch of touring. We were out with rise against, which was awesome. Those guys are always fucking super fun and doing a bunch of like one-off festival weekend type deals, but got a little break. We got a, we're playing a, glamous out in the desert, like big off-road deal, you know, for oh, Polaris. Cool. Yeah, uh, Polaris is throwing a party, which I don't know what, if they know what they're getting into, but it's crazy out there. And I've never been, cause I don't do well with alcohol and motorized vehicles. I figured I'd <laughs> kill myself. So my, it might be my last weekend on the 29th, but that's like an unannounced show. That's probably announced now, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's going to be mayhem. And then we got another little thing for monster, a little backyard party with a bunch of athletes that are going to be there. And then uh holiday break. And then we're heading over to Europe with Drop Tick Murphy's for like a five-week tour, which is oh. fucking un- unheard of for us. Five weeks. That's so, going
1: to be mayhem.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Jim's kids are all in college. She's like, I'm an empty nester. Let's go. I'll bring my wife. So, yeah, we're, we're uh, looking forward to that. It's been a while. Byron's freaking out. He's chew- biting his nails off a month uh, you know five weeks on a bus with me that's that's hell yeah
1: it's a a sentence
3: (laughs) yeah it is it's it's basically like a life sentence right there or a death sentence or some some kind of sentence but it's not fun but I'll, i'll i'll behave myself but that's that's what we got coming up and then you know the usual stuff maybe some european festivals and Canada, a couple festivals up in Canada, and blah blah blah.
1: Right on, man. Well, again, thank thank you so much, man. It was an absolute pleasure.
3: Thank you. I like I like how you do your homework. <laughs> you, you really get, you really get in there deep. Good good stuff. <laughs>
2: We got to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, but don't go anywhere. We got lots more Chris to make a podcast after the break. Hey, this is Mike weeby and I'm the singer in a band called the Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band
0: called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called the Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike
2: Make Three. If you like music and you like podcasts and you like to laugh and you like to learn, you need to immediately subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Each week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, we dive deep into the story and back catalog of a One Hit Wonder band or artist. From there, we have a good, healthy discussion as to whether they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a One Hit Wonder. We have a huge back catalog and we've done episodes on everything from Don't Worry, Be Happy and The Macarena to King of Wishful Thinking and Cumbersome. I promise you're going to love the show more than Jaquan loved getting tipsy, and even more than Bobby Boris Pickett loved making alternate versions of the Monster Mash. Subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your podcasts.
1: As
0: we near the end of
1: the show, here's
0: a band you might not know.
1: Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to make a podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and a short bio to ban you might not know at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is God's Green Apples, a four-piece punk rock band rooted in Americana from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You can find their music on all the streaming services. Here's a snippet of their song. Anymore. And
0: I think about you
1: The Wrap with Chris and Chris.
2: So, Chris, I didn't know what we were getting into today. I've heard plenty of Fletcher stories from you in the past, so <laughs> I didn't know if this was going to be uh, a crazy podcast or not, but I thought it was great.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> this podcast wasn't songwriting centric i could have talked to fletcher for six hours about his antics alone of course but uh yeah he was uh we we got we caught fletcher on a good day he was great
2: hey i know you were psyched to talk about Dawkins <laughs> in this episode a little bit <laughs>
1: i remember jim when we had him on uh, from pennywise mentioning something about Dawkins, but yeah that's uh an interesting parallel here that just you know t- two worlds colliding
2: i think i saw a little bit of the stories that I have heard about Fletcher in the past, uh, when he told the story about himself going out in his truck and thinking about smashing into the <laughs> producer's truck because he was so mad, um, <laughs> which you know, I think that was the Chris to makes a podcast first. Well,
1: again, uh, how long do we want this wrap up to be here? We could I could talk for literally hours about, uh, about Fletcher's antics, but yeah, he uh, uh, his brain goes to some some interesting places. I'll just leave it at that.
2: I've noticed in episodes a lot that you're bringing up vocal doubling a lot a lot of the songs we've been talking about lately have doubled vocals I think, like Fletcher said, if you do it tastefully, it just kind of thickens up the vocal and people a lot of times m- might not even notice that it's a doubled vocal. But you do. With your very particular ear, you're picking that out. Yeah, you know, it was it was a trick for
1: years with a, a lot of people that had thinner voices. You know, I know that the, the singer from Rat, he would be like a, a triple and quadruple tracked. Now, that doesn't mean all the vocals are going to be the same level, but you, you'd get your one real main vocal take, but you would fill it out with some other vocal tracks and if used sparingly and wisely it can really thicken up and make a vocal feel great i don't particularly like to hear it you know when i do hear it like on what we're calling the chorus part uh in fuck authority i love it i think it's just it, it sounds mean it really fills everything out and again when when used uh, the right way it's awesome
2: i was happy to hear that pennywise also practiced in a storage space <laughs> as a guy who's practiced in a storage space for uh pretty much the majority of the past couple decades. I thought that was cool. Do you practice in a storage space? We
1: did for years. Matter of fact, when we had our, our A&R guy initially from Capitol years ago, him and the scout from Capitol Records came down middle of the summer. Uh, mosquitoes, uh, no air conditioning. This place was an absolute hellhole. So yeah, I, I did my time. I did my time in a, in a, in a, in a storage space. <laughs> practice
2: space. I'm still doing my time in a storage space. <laughs> well, with Punchline anyway. It's funny. In my other bands, we practice like people's houses but no punchline we still do it old school in the uh, storage space i thought one thing (laughs) this is kind of out of left field but fletcher brought up pablum and i was like as soon as he said it i'm like what what did he just say and then he said something about being like baby formula or whatever i had never heard of that before had you? Do you know what I've, it is? I, I believe
1: it's spelled P-A-B-L-U-M. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I, I've yes. seen the word, and I, I I, said, he said, is that the right use of the word? I'm like, uh, kind of. I, I don't really know what pablum means.
2: <laughs> it It's a processed cereal for infants that was originally marketed and co-created by the Mead Johnson Company <laughs> in 1931. It's used to combat infant malnutrition.
1: Well, Fletcher's not that old. How the hell would he know from a baby food from 1931? Pablum. Okay. I didn't think i thought pablum was like i don't know some adjective or something
2: (laughs) i mean maybe it was a west coast thing i think of (laughs) oh what's that baby formula stuff called like p pedialyte yeah i think of pedialyte if he would have said that i don't know what he meant anyway just a little bit of trivia for anyone who also wondered what did he just say (laughs) Um, (laughs) i also thought it was cool that fletcher talked about having a high-end crate amp that sounded good now for anyone that hasn't played in a band It feels like everyone who starts a band, everyone has crate amps when they first start, like when you're a teenager. And I always thought, (laughs) I'm not talking shit on crate. Apparently they have a high-end model that costs like thousands of dollars that Fletcher has. It sounds great. But it always felt like a Nash skateboard or something. Like it was like, oh, you just get, that's your first amp you get, but Hey, I guess they make good stuff, too.
1: Yeah, it's like the house brand at Sears. You know, it's like it's <laughs> it's just the generic uh, thing. Roger has like four or five crate heads. I think I think he collects them at this point. But yeah, it's a uh, lower end. It's it is actually a, a brand of amp called Crate C-R-A-T-E. And and uh, I, I was unaware there was a high end model, to be honest. Fletcher enlightened me with that one.
2: And Chris, it was such a cool story. The Fletcher told about bringing the kid out to California from Canada, who had lost his brother. Man, really warms your heart to hear that. You know, it's uh, like you said. Maybe he's a big softy.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, he's uh, he, a rough exterior, a hard shell. But uh, yeah, he's got a big heart. He's done some some great things for the punk rock community. And, you know, I, I had mentioned that I that part just kind of feels loose in the song. It feels like they invited their buddies back, you know, after a night of drinking out of the bar or a party or something. He's like, well, kind of. And when he explained that story, I thought that was really cool.
2: That's really, really awesome. I mean, what makes for great Group vocals, gang vocals, is to have a bunch of different voices in there. And what kind of makes them extra cool and fun is if those people singing that aren't necessarily all great singers. Yeah. Getting getting some normal people in there singing, it just adds to the realness of it.
1: Absolutely. We've done Gang Vocals for Less Than Jake where we've like, you know, called in the girlfriends or the wives or the next door neighbor and are like, I I can't sing. It's like, yeah, but we're chanting this part. You don't need to sing. Just do your best. And it kind of, you know, makes everything a a little off and not perfect, which which adds to the realness.
2: Yeah. And speaking of realness, if you enjoy the realness that Chris and I bring to each week with Chris to Makes a Podcast, you might also enjoy the After Party Podcast. It's our bonus episode each week that you can get if you sign up for our supporting cast at chrisdemakes.com. Ah, uh, Chris, I don't know how you do it week
1: after week after week. The segues just keep a-coming. That's right. Go over to chrisdemakes.com and sign up for a supporting cast. You'll be helping to support the podcast that you know and hopefully love right here. Chris Demakes Podcast. We love your support. And please, join our Facebook group, the Chris Demakes Podcast Facebook, Facebook group over 4,000 members it's super interactive a lot of fun give me a follow on Instagram if you don't mind at less than Christy and I'm still doing those custom songs and jingles hit me up if you'd like when the holidays are upon us you can hit me up at Krista at gmail.com again that's Krista at gmail.com and I want to thank this week's guest Fletcher Draggy for sitting in with us and we'll see you next week
2: do you enjoy the content and production of Krista makes a podcast do you have an idea for a podcast or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level? Well, check out KnowPodcasting.com. At weenopodcasting.com, we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field, and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting.
0: Lucky Land Casino
2: asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.